Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Welcome to Webcology on WMR.FM. It's the uh, the Ides of April, April 15th, 2021. This is Jim Hedder from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And um, it's April 15th. I know every week I come on and I'm amazed by the date. Like it's, it's weird. Maybe because we, we do this every week and dates progress that way. I don't know. But I can't even... Uh, I'm having a hard time dealing with this being the new year still. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny because you, you reflect back to where we would have been a year ago doing our, doing our show. Uh, the topics would have been very different, obviously. Um, but just how, and I'm sure it's the same for everybody in our listening audience, how recent that seems and how so very long ago it seems both at the same time. <laughs> it's just, but you're right. Like it gets this like, Oh, and, and here we are, and it's already it's already mid-April. Like, okay, I guess, like, I got to start reminding clients about, like, Christmas and holiday campaigns <laughs> right now. <laughs> yep. We're, we're kind of heading into that time where it's like, oh, okay, we only got, like, actually, like, you know, half a year to shore up our numbers and get the right, like, link campaigns in place and stuff. So, and, um, yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's sort of how it, it sort of blurs um, the, the sort of march of time right now because we – don't have the same access to all the fun that we used to have looking no. forward to getting back to it though and it might come back one of these days honestly if we just collectively get our acts together um i gotta do this at the beginning of the show this time normally we do this towards the end but i live in a in toronto uh ontario canada which is currently one of the world's uh major breakout places um we're getting hammered with the new variants of COVID um, and while not quite there yet, our ICUs are almost at triage um, capacity where they will literally have to dole out who gets care and who gets sent home to die. Um, it's terrifying, especially given I have a uh, a life partner, my, my girlfriend Shauna, who is li literally dependent on medical care and can't get it right now because the hospital, the medical capacity is closed off. And friends, please, uh, I don't think I've ever mentioned it this way before, but I've mentioned it from a from a social capacity, trying to get our businesses, our lives, and our society back, and. Uh, now it's getting kind of desperate on a personal level. Yeah. Please pay attention to COVID protocols. This thing is very real. And if a year into it, over 500,000 American deaths and almost 2 million deaths around the world haven't convinced you otherwise, what the hell will? But my partner can't get literally life-saving treatment for cancer and for a, a, a serious epileptic disorder she has because the hospitals are full up and she is one of thousands, perhaps tens of thousands of people in the area that I live in. Multiply that 
by all of North America and then multiply that around the world. And friends, we got to get our collective acts together. It's desperate. Anyway, yeah, please wear masks, stay apart from each other, sanitize your hands, wash your hands very frequently, get vaccinated as soon as you can, and don't worry about them blood clots. Honestly, don't worry about no no blood clots. Like, like, um, <laughs> what's, 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 your chances of getting struck by lightning are lower than your chances of getting blood clots from the AstraZeneca vaccine. So you're more likely to get struck by lightning than you are to get a blood clot. But you know what's even way more likely if you don't get struck by lightning and you don't get a vaccine against COVID? You're way more likely to catch COVID. Now, I don't know if you'd rather get struck by lightning or not. I, I, I would, but um, get vaccinated. It's better than it's better than all the other alternatives. The lightning would be a cooler story, though, like of all of the variables here. If you live to tell the tale. If you live to tell the tale. Now, Fair enough. for what it's worth, I got my first dose of uh, the Moderna vaccine and I lived to tell the tale. And it was good. It was so good. They put it in, took it out and I went home <laughs> and lived to tell and I watched TV. Excellent. So but now Bill Gates is tracking you, Jim. I'm just letting you know. Well, you know, he, it, you know, I've already got like Larry and Sergey tracking me everywhere right. I go. So why and not? And you probably it? use the office suites. So, and, and windows. So, you know, <laughs> uh, windows. Yes. The office. T t t I do have a, 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 a office in Excel on my phone. You're trying to, are you telling me that, that, that they trace where I go as well? Oh, I'm just assuming that <laughs> they know everything. I mean, I, I use like Wonder, like it, it syncs up. Like they know lots and lots. Of, I mean, they know less than Google because I'm, they're not tracking everywhere I do go. I don't know. Actually, it's funny. Now you bring this up and we should have like a security person going. And through those applications, what data is getting fed back to them? Would Microsoft actually use that, which they could use that application and go, we're just going to label it where it is in quotes just to try, pull your pull your location data in to understand a little more about you. Do I think Microsoft would do that? Yes, but why would they when they can just plant a microchip into your bloodstream? Because that just seems a lot easier. <laughs> uh, well, what I'm what I'm more concerned about, honestly, this is this is a real weird thing. This is a real thing. I ride the subways in Toronto a lot, and the subways yep. are now um, all Wi-Fi service, uh, front to finish. And I often read client files on my phone because it's a mm -hmm. chance to read client files when I'm you know, taking, taking an hour-long trip on the subway. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, if, uh, if, 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 if there's extra tracking devices in the actual documents that I'm checking out, who else is checking out those documents all the way along those lines? I got, like, 26 stops between here and my destination. Right. Is that 26 different sets of eyes? Who the, you know, that weirds me out. Yeah. Yep, and it should. Um, you know what else right. weirds me out? And What's that? Well, first off, friends, this has been a really busy week. We're going to have to rapid fire through a whole bunch of stories if we want to if we want to cover half the stuff that Dave and I have put in the uh, in the chat window that we, that we're trying to cover. Roger Monty writes uh, published a piece in today's Search Engine Journal. Uh, Google Research Paper reveals shortcoming in search. Um, that freaked me out. The uh, the, 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 the 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 conclusion that this paper that Roger read. And the article he wrote comes to. First of all, searches that works today answers 
quick questions. Um, the example used in the research paper, why is the sky blue? Oh, I'm sorry, what color is the sky? It's blue. Um, what is the baseball team from Boston? The Red Sox. You know, really easy to answer questions. What search doesn't do is extract a bunch of different points of information, put them together, and come up with a paragraph-long essay on something or another. For instance, why should I not make a nuclear bomb in my garage? Mm -hmm. Well, Jim, we'll tell you why. But first, let us show you the recipe because it's very, very <laughs> difficult. Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, it never occurred to me that search would um, be used. Search search engines would be used to come up with extraordinarily complex answers. What do you think? Yeah, I. I, I... It was interesting because when this posted, I, I, I retweeted. I think it was just like a, a fascinating sort of article and, and the, the study it was based on. Um, and my initial thought was, yeah, and that's what Smith is for. But it'll be like Smith version three or four. I don't know. We'll call it Fred, right? Or like whatever it is, but understanding longer form. And then that's why I say Smith version X. It would also require integration of algorithms. Like Smith itself is actually just built to connect the dots between passages like mm -hmm. i shouldn't say passages because it's not passage indexing but but how does this language relate to this form. language exactly in a longer form than say bert which is built for exactly the kind of queries we're talking about here and so google has six years of experience with getting to the answers that they have right now where something as, as sophisticated as smith is just rolling out and to do what we're talking about in this context we're going to need something far more elaborate than that to be able to understand a complex subject matter I mean, or, or even a simple subject matter when you go, what is a dog, right? Like, okay, that sounds like a really simple question, but there are multiple breeds. There are multiple, multiple reactions. And, and, and if you go to like, is that the animal or, or, or like, is it like the slang term? Is it like, there, there's actually a lot of answers to, to mm -hmm. this and you would need to, to extrapolate to just uh, sort of create a, a pseudo wiki page uh, or Wikipedia entry for, for that for that answer. So it's a highly complicated task. It's not at all surprising that they haven't gotten there yet, but it's very concerning that I don't see them as particularly far away. Like it'll be some version of Smith combined with a couple other algorithms sort of mushed together. Um, you know, so, but cascade us forward two, three years. If you ask Elon Musk, I think his last was like five years from now, we'll be at like that point where, where AI actually understands things. Now, all of a sudden, I don't know what, what's left, like what, what is left for us to answer for a user's intent? I mean, I understand somebody needs to produce that base content for Google to rip off, recombine, and oh. then provide a result for, but. Uh, Moreover, who's going to produce the base content if you don't got to learn nothing in the first place? Well, there, there is that a concern to me um, and, and we see it and it, I think both sides, like, I, I don't care if you're, right, left, or, or you just care about honesty in, in presentation of data. If one entity has control of not just search, but also the manufacturing of the answers to complex problems. And knowledge um, itself. Really. And, and knowledge itself. That becomes a, an enormous problem, to me anyway, just from the sharing of, of proper information. I don't know. 
there's no possible way I, I'm, a, I'm a human being. There's no possible way I could know, quote unquote, everything in the world. I don't want to know everything in the world, right. but I do know how to learn about it. Right. Um, and I've had like really, and all of us have had these neat experiences where at different points in our lives, we've actually been taught how to learn different things. You're going through one right now where you're teaching yourself machine learning and AI. And mm -hmm. to do that, you've had to teach yourself how to learn that field. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is oddly harder. Well, uh, well sure, but 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 because you know you've been you've been to university, you've been to, to high school, you've been to public school, right. at which all of which points teach you how to learn how to learn. Right. I'm afraid that if Google and Bing or um, Amazon or whoever owns all of this immense amount of data creates the thinking machines for us, much like people are forgetting spatial um, recognition and forgetting how to read maps because of GPS, just one mm -hmm. generation, I'm afraid people will honestly forget how to learn. Yeah. Well, and yeah, why, why would you if you have, if the answer is there, do you have the mesh over your, you know, overlaid, laid onto your brain, you can just think faster um, and, and have the data direct you know, to you. I mean, I, I'm not going like, you know, super science fiction-y like the Matrix, but that'd be awesome. But, you know. But doesn't it feel like we are in a yeah. weird way? But but that is sort of where that that, that precipice that, that we sort of head into. And, and I do think is a is a concern that we'll, we'll need to be watching. And I'm sure there's there's much more knowledgeable people on the path that we're on right now um, than I. Uh, that maybe we should be going, hey, let's have one of those smarter people than Dave to come on the show and actually talk <laughs> about some of the threats. Well, I mean, we have to actually, we absolutely have to. Um, I'll I'll try to find William Gibson. Um, okay, uh, quick one before we got to go to break, and this this absolutely delights me to say, Kim Krausberg is back. Mm -hmm. Did you see the piece she wrote on usability in Search Engine Journal today? I or did. a couple of days ago. Sorry, was, I did. Yeah. I, I actually saw it today, but I yeah, go oh, take it away. Uh, but there's not a lot to say. Read it, uh, friends. Re uh, go to Search Engine Journal, find uh, Kim's article, read it. I mean, see her name come up. Read that too. Um, if you want to um, know anything about um, accessibility and uh, its impact on usability, Kim Krausberg is the expert's expert in our field. Yeah. Um, and it's really cool. She's writing again. It's wonderful to see. Yeah, and she does a great job of pulling it into like there is accessibility for accessibility's sake, and and by that I mean like to to okay, I'm I'm speaking as a marketer here, mm -hmm. um, but to expand your your presence, right, and 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 tap into to additional markets. Um, but she also makes when she's she's writing or or speaking, um, makes a great case for a lot of the mechanics um, and principles behind accessibility like the technical accessibility like wai you know, accessibility um in just the application of those principles to just standard web dev ui principles um so there, there really is something to be drawn for for everybody who's a marketer on the web from from the article and and, and the other articles she's written and uh i i just a bit of Point a bit of a maybe assumptive here or something in the article she's going to write. Yeah, I yeah. really hope she does because it's wonderful having her voice around. Indeed, we got to take a break. We got like tons and tons and tons of stuff to talk about. So on behalf 
Patrick Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. This is Jim Hedrick, Digital Always Media. You are listening to Webcology on WMR.FM. It's the middle of April, April 15th, 2021, and we're back after these messages. Maximum customer engagement and retention. Choose CleverTap. CleverTap is a leading customer engagement and retention platform that helps digital brands maximize lifetime value. Over 8,000 <laughs> apps around the world, including Vodafone, Star, and Sony. Trust CleverTap to improve user engagement, boost retention, and fuel long-term revenue growth. Learn more at CleverTap.com. That's CleverTap.com. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Money doesn't grow on trees. So you'll probably have a better chance of growing your business with WMR.FM.FM. Webcology takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. And welcome back to Webcology on WMR.FM. It's April the 15th, 2021. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Meatstock Internet Marketing. And we got kind of a weird problem because we have like three major stories that would fit in perfect to the beginning of the second segment. <laughs> Core Web Vitals are being rolled out, I think, this week. They're um, unleashing the, I'm sorry, no, not, not two weeks from now, they're, un, they're unleashing the uh, was it the Kraken on that one? I don't know how they phrase that, but the folks at it, it Mountain View are like, hey, uh, if your page is dancing around too much or loads too slowly, we're going to beat on your head. That's a big story. Mm -hmm. Another big story was an algorithm update that rolled out last Friday, the uh, Google product review update. It's now Thursday, and we've seen a... Um, while well, a crap ton of movement on it. And I think we need to review the product review update. That's a big story. Mm -hmm. And then there's, um, oh, four big stories because there's also Project Bernanke. Google had to release a bunch of documents to the uh, Justice Department as part of the antitrust suit that, uh, that, 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 that the United States of America has filed against Google. And in those documents, they didn't redact them. So the public got to look at them. The New York Times found a, a big section that said, we've been favoring our own ads in the Google Display Network. What are you going to do, sue us? Um, so that's a big story. And lastly, Wix versus WordPress. Not as big a story as the other ones, but kind of fun. <laughs> um, where do you want to go, man? Like, like what, do you, what do you do with, with, with such a choice? Yeah. Um... <sighs> You know what? Oh, go, go ahead. You, okay, you, you I, 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 think I, I think I can get us through this. Okay. 
first, what do you think is going to be Core Web Vitals? Um, Google has this has this habit of introducing um, these big, big concepts that we have to mold ourselves to, and then you know, sort of like going, oh yeah, well you know, whatever. Um, Core Web Vitals is it a big? Is this like Google being big, big daddy, or is it a really big deal? Um, I think it matters in the long term, not so much in the short term. I don't think they're going to unleash some catastrophe on the web. Like it, it just doesn't make sense. Um, especially when there are some technologies, like I have two of our clients are in JavaScript based sites. Um, and they're even there in, you know, different libraries and stuff like that. Um, and it is far more difficult. Now they've given us plenty of lead time, but then the mm -hmm. libraries update and think like, I mean, it, it's, it's a very, <laughs> very complicated thing. And then Google's actually just changed some of the mechanics and how they're measuring things, right. Yep. That actually helps. It, it actually helped both of those clients. And it was like, Oh, okay. You, you figured this out a little bit better here that these are JavaScript sites. They're constantly doing stuff. <laughs> like they're really constantly doing stuff all the time. If you watch what's going on on the network. Um, and, and so I, I appreciated what Google was doing there, but not all, like if, if you're saying, Hey, go to a JavaScript site, that's super helpful for users. And then at the same time going, but this site you're competing against that's in WordPress has a significant advantage over you simply because the way the site structures may not be better for long-term user engagement, but happens to meet the core web vitals on first load better you're actually not doing a good job. So I suspect what we're going to see is Google deploying this on a, like they did with HTTPS, like they did with the mobile first, you know, sort of update where we started out a little slow and, and let us all sort of figure stuff out and let like the JavaScript library devs figure out what they need to do. Let the developers themselves figure out. But sometimes, and we all know this, like we're, we're asking, we, we've been to this rodeo before. Sometimes those developers, SEOs, site owners need just a little kick in the butt, right? Like, uh, okay, you fall in two positions. We're not gonna drop you the three pages that you should actually drop here. We're gonna but just we drop just you a little bit. get your attention here. Get your attention. Yes, when your SEO told you this was important, what they meant was it's costing you traffic now. Right, so. according, according to Google, there are two, there, there are six really important uh, 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 core web vitals, two of which are really, really important. So let's yeah. only deal with those two right now. Um, first, contentful paint. Mm -hmm. um, when is enough or when is the uh, 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 largest block of stuff? When is it useful to uh, uh, your website user? And cumulative layout shift. How much does your page dance around as it loads? Um, even after it becomes useful to the site visitor, is your page still moving around? So if like I'm filling in a form or reading an important paragraph, am I going to get lost as your images start to start to flesh themselves in? So those are the two really important uh, metrics and the ones that Google is probably going to put stock in uh, starting sometime next month but like dave said it's probably going to be a staggered thing um because they can't there's already a lot of chaos happening yeah the reason i wanted to do that to start with core web vitals was to get out the idea that it's um really possible for google to say we're going to do this and it's going to have x y z or x y and z kind of impact 
And then when, as we actually approach or get past the deadline, Google reevaluates, but doesn't recommunicate. <laughs> right. um, so we see an example of that with uh, the way they're um, re-scoring cumulative uh, layout shift. Um, because let's face it, like it was, they were scoring it really tightly. And um, I think what, like four or 5% of websites actually passed their bot. Yeah, well, and you hit a, a, a serious, serious problem on, on Google's end here in dealing with problems like this. Because if you go into some of their recommendations, you would hear from Google, if at all possible, move those styles down to the footer. If at all possible, move those scripts down to the let us load the most important content. But if those styles are the one that goes, my left-hand navigation is X pixels wide. My hero image block is X pixels high by X pixels wide. Your cumulative layout shift is going to be delayed because you're loading everything in. Then you're getting to the script that actually goes, oh, by the way, this is the shape of them. So it's an easy thing to solve and just go, oh, okay, well, actually, you need to write this right into the code of that element or put it right into the header, right? Like, these are my core elements of this page that I need for my, my layout shifting to, to be avoided. And let's just load those right in the header, these critical ones, and just load those and then, you know, defer the rest of our, our CSS. But if you were following Google's advice in the past, you've actually damaged some of these metrics, and now you need to go back and, and, and fix them. Now when Google gave us that advice, this is what they said. And we always should have gone, okay, my site looks kind of sloppy when I do that. <laughs> like it's like moving around all over the place. Like it's, it's a very visual thing. You can see that most people, I hopefully would have fixed it, but it would have hurt your page speed score to fix it, right? Because you're actually having to move stuff where Google would say that shouldn't be there uh, in, in, in the earlier, earlier metrics. So. Okay. So Google again, is uh, saying that as of May 1st, which means that sometime after May 1st, um, it's going to turn on some form of scoring around Core Web Vitals, but it's probably not going to be a big deal. Right. Whatever that means. That's, that's just the word from Google. It did turn on something last week, um, the uh, 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 product review update, which actually was a really big deal. Um, there are two different kind of algo updates. One is the core update that um, search marketers may be a bit more familiar with because recently we've gone through, what, six core updates, seven core updates in like two years. Mm -hmm. Core updates are really difficult to, to, to pinpoint and deal with because... Um, that's like Google, think of, if you think of the algorithm as a spine, this is Google inserting something between vertebrae. A regular old algorithm update, on the other hand, that is targeting a specific issue, that's something quite different. And this one was about product reviews. And you think of the site of the e-commerce universe and how many reviews, products, and user-generated information, and not just you not just user-generated information when it comes to product reviews, but also the, 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 the reviews that the manufacturers give to the products themselves. Google was really concerned with what consumers are seeing in relation to 
products in, in, in e-commerce stores. And given the, I don't, I don't even know if there's a, a, a number we can use to talk about the expansion of the e-commerce universe in the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it um, Googleized. Uh, Googleized, that's the right word. It Googleized <laughs> in the last year, which suits Google just fine. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't suit Google just <laughs> I know, see what I did there? Um, it doesn't suit Google just fine because it's a crap ton of data that they got to deal with. Yeah. And they really want to make sure they're giving out really extraordinary data <laughs> to their users. At least that's what they say. So product review update. Boom. It hit last. It was introduced Thursday night. Hit last Friday. Have um, What have you thought? Any, any any major impressions? Yeah, I mean, our, our clients weren't impacted really one way um, or the other by this one, um, which is, is good, I guess, just by like the competition and who they were up against. It was all just sort of like, it was all kind of level with, with our clients. So I guess if I can't, well, you know, we talked about it on the show before, through most major updates, what I hope for is nothing. <laughs> uh, because i mean as you know like the pendulum will go back and forth like even you know for people that are they're in the thick of things right now and and i feel for some of them and i'm, I'm happy for the other half right like because it's zero sum right so for everybody complaining there's somebody going that was awesome right like that's how every update goes that, that has a shake up like this um but i i like everybody else completely see that this was necessary the the reviews need strong attention um just absolutely they do as far as from google standpoint because what google needs is trust um now we were talking earlier about like security and that sort of stuff do we trust google but (laughs) sure but from a review standpoint we we really need to to focus on that especially on e-commerce my entry point um on my journey to purchasing. It just is this way and has been for years. I go to Amazon. I run my query. Why? Because they have lots of reviews. I can read them. They have verified buyer stats. I can actually see what's going on. Now, I'm not a super big fan of Amazon. So I then go over to Google, but Amazon had the first kick at the can and I now know the price. And then I'll go over to Google and find stuff, but I don't trust Google's review system, right? It's not as robust. It's it's not as transparent. Um, and so it, there isn't as much behind it. So I'll then go over to Google and see, can I buy this locally or something like that for around the same price? In which case I'll, I'll do that. Now that's just my journey, but my journey started where Google doesn't want me. My journey started on Amazon. If Amazon's going to offer me a better price, that's where I'm going to buy it, right? Like it, where it's, it's significantly better. So um, one of the diff- I mean, the major difference is Amazon is, uh, either filling in that data itself or yeah. forcing manufacturers to fill in fill in that data yeah. anew. I had a client a few years ago, one of the one of those big um, uh, uh, auto boat um, house, you know, the trading magazines. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, in their auto section, they would, you know, a um, make and model of a car it's very hard to describe a make and model of a car differently from place to place to place because it's the same it's the same uh 1999 honda civic in uh toronto as it is in boise as it is in fort lauderdale it's a bloody 99 civic um and so the uh sales slots 
the auto sales people, the uh, 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 distributors or whatever, would write these all cap, um, terrible uh, product descriptions and terrible product reviews of their and they would upload it across this universal database. You see the same thing in real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, this is terrible, terrible descriptions and product reviews. Horrible things. This is what Google's targeting. Amazon, on the other hand, they these are people who are like, you know, setting up a real honest to goodness storefront in a right. digital environment. And that's how they approach it. Yeah. Um, completely different, completely different intention on the get go. Well, indeed. And I mean, the, the challenges are very, very different. Like you look at, I mean, as you were, you were stating, basically, you look at Amazon, it's a closed environment. They know what my purchase are. It's, it's very easy. And that's part of the reason I go there first. That's why I trust them. They can go verify. We know Dave bought this. We know he reviewed it. We know he answered this question on it. We know that, mm-hmm. that he's owned it for this long and hasn't come back and gone. Nope. Turns out it was crappy, right? Like, on the web, on the other that. hand, Google's just hoovering in information yeah. from who knows what where. Yeah, I- indeed. Um, and that'll obviously be something that they have to address. Like, if they want my confidence in e-commerce, if they want my confidence in shopping, they need to come up with something, and it needs to be more sophisticated than Amazon's. Um, but they need to come up with one way of doing a verified buyer sort of environment. Now, that actually leads to one of the stories we have coming up here, <laughs> where where they're sort of tying into um, the, the payment processing system on certain e-commerce sites. Now, that may be other than just it's always good to get in front of the payment so that you know the conversion so that you can charge people more for ads. But that may be the connector involved here is going and the, the I, I'd seen it uh, buried share anyway. We'll, we'll get into that in a minute. Into that. Um, it, 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 it's that may be the gap that needs to be bridged, and this may be one of their efforts to bridge that gap and allow them to go. Yes, we know they purchased it. Yes, this is their review. In uh, in the sites, I have, I have a number of e-commerce sites I'm working with now, and I've seen minimal, minimal disruption. Um, slight trajectory upwards, which I think is the best thing I could possibly say. Mm-hmm. Um, it means that we were already sort of, and I've been on a schema kick the last uh, four or five months, but I'm working with it with a pretty serious dev team. So it's easy to be on a schema kick because I got people to do it for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Um, but you know what? It's totally worth it. And I, 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 I think providing Google the information they need in as speedy and ordered a manner as possible is the reason that the little lifeboat website, the little group of websites I'm in in this lifeboat um, are having a fairly smooth journey. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, it's, it's funny. You, you got me off on a tangent there, like in, in my own brain as well, because I don't know what's in the water right now. Um, and, you know, I mean, I've, I've always been a fan of schema, but I too have been like, okay, let's explore all the different kinds and which ones might now be introduced in the not too distant future into. Uh, well, because uh, you know where it's going with, 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 with AI. I mean, how else is yeah. the brain going to get fed? Right, right. That's what it boils down to, isn't it? Well, honestly, Google wants, Google, how to say this? The web, do you remember when the web started and we were all amazed that it was growing exponentially? Just how fast, I'm not talking like before the turn of the century. Back then, we were amazed how fast the web was growing. Yeah. It hasn't slowed down. So think of Google bringing in all this information, eh? And we know that they're working with AI. Um, 
uh, we know that artificial intelligence needs to have information fed to it in specific ways or it can't learn it properly and if it isn't if it does learn it in a weird way things go very weird very fast mm-hmm. so google wants us to use um markup language and it's marking that language very harshly you make it screw up in your schema and you'll you will see google telling you that you messed up mm-hmm. If you feed it what it wants to eat, it will grow and flourish. <laughs> That's one of those um, uh, 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 Chauncey Gardner sort of sort of uh, sort of like being there looks at search. Right. Yeah. Okay, we have a few minutes before we got to go to go to our next break. Did you read about Project Bernanke? Yes, I did. Uh, why, why don't you summarize this for our? Okay, this is a little bit complicated, but Google is facing an antitrust suit um, from the state department or from uh, the the, 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 uh, uh, Federal Trade Commission. It had to file documents explaining how it does certain processes, one of which covered the Google Display Network. Because the courts don't want cases tried in the media, they want the cases tried in the courts, such filings are allowed to be redacted in the public view. The, the, the court gets the entire document, but what the public gets to see is, is, allow, is allowed to be redacted. So we don't argue it in public while the judge is mulling over his or her ruling. Google mistakenly, some some former, some now former Google lawyer, mistakenly uploaded a bunch of unredacted files that basically pointed out how Google was using publisher data to figure out what other advertisers were paying. And with that knowledge, Google understood what it needed to pay in order to get specific placements above, below, or around other advertisements. And then it used that data to model their bids in order to win auctions, um, auctions in spaces that were most important to them, um, presumably at the, at the, the, the lowest rate it possibly could. Mm-hmm. Google has all this data. It owns DoubleClick. It owns that entire massive Google ad network um, or Google display network. And Google used that information to favor ads from its own um, properties or its own network. We're talking the difference between tens of millions and um, hundreds of millions of dollars in spend that Google advantageously took advantage of its knowledge. And we learned that from Google's own documents. Yeah, um, it it I, I love um, the the quote in in the article on it. It just like really jumped out at me and going, okay, this really summarizes why it's wrong. Um, and it was the uh, Attorney General, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, 
um, in, in his outline of it. And, and the statement is Google is essentially trading on insider information, which is 100% yes. true, by acting as the pitcher, catcher, batter, and umpire at the same time. <laughs> yes. like, yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. Like they, they're controlling the supply, the demand. Now, there's always part of me going, yeah, okay, but this is Google. Like they could go, all my bids are $100 because it doesn't matter. Okay, so YouTube is paying Google ads, right? Like, so like, it all moves around. But there are a lot of subtleties in here to just like, as you know, and anybody who's done like paid search, right? Like mm. just the, I'm just going to win by X, right? I don't need to super win. I can just like, they could save on their scale millions upon millions of dollars every year just with these fractions of pennies that they can they can play around with. What if you knew without doubt, without, without any doubt whatsoever that the number two position got the most clicks? Right. And you you made sure that you bid yourself into that position every time, allowing your competitor to pay a little bit more to push traffic down to you on your on your ad. Google did that. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I can see what my change in my headlines do to my click through rate. But wouldn't it be nice if I could see what my competitors click through rate changes would be? That what would you do nice. with that data? Yeah. What would you do with that? Oh, you, I'd abuse you, the heck out of it. Of course <laughs> you would. Course That's I what would. they pay you for. Yeah. Now, Google pays itself, and in turn, Google then pays its shareholders. Yeah. And, um, you know, there was, there, was, there was a time when Google actually had a uh, simple three-word corporate motto, don't be evil. Right. That ended in uh, 2006. <laughs> 2006, was it? 2005, when they went public. And I was going to say, that's about IPO-ish, yeah. <laughs> yep, suddenly became uh, 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 answerable to and only to its shareholders because mm -hmm. if this is actual information that came out of google's own documents yeah um that's evil yes yeah. <laughs> it's no other words evil it's it's, yeah. it's 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 business evil yeah okay speaking of business we got to do a little bit here on, on wmr that was a crappy segue but we're going to use it anyway <laughs> um on behalf of dave davies from from BSOC Internet Marketing. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology on WMR.FM. And if you stick around, we're going to be back in a few minutes. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one -on -one training. A weekly podcast for you or your company. Distribution to almost every podcast portal. An embeddable player for your website. An ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts and much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. Webcology takes you to the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies.
everyone. Welcome back to Webcology on WMR.FM. It's the middle of April, April 15th, 2021. Uh, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And um, let's see, we got it. We got, we got a, we still got some a bunch of stories we want to get through. Um, I guess we kind of, this was kind of known already, but still surprising to see. I depend on I, I check this fairly frequently. Um, I often check it against information from Google Search Console. Google Cache. Um, it's important to see the cache view of your website um, to see how Google's seeing it. You know, and turn off all the CSS and just show you the raw the raw website as it's, as rendered. Say, uh, it's a totally um, unmaintained legacy feature. Yeah, I saw them post that and I'm relieved. I actually had made a note because because John Mueller had made some comments on the tweet just sort of discussing it. And I'm like, you need to keep it. Now, here's why it's critical. And a lot of people wouldn't know um, and might not even know this workaround is if you're talked about JavaScript, right? there's a bunch of headaches to JavaScript. And this one helps with one of them um, is if you visit the cache of many a, a, a JavaScript-based site, it'll do that flicker and then go to its template, right? Or like a, a, a default page. That, that's all well and good, but you can still view the source. And if you view the source of that cache page, you see the source code rendered as Google saw it. It, it just, the, the function of the JavaScript will make it flicker and, and then go to a default page, but you can actually still see the source as Google saw it URL specific, so not the sort of like defaulty template page, but the the, the actual coding of that page with listings on it or, or content or whatever. I have had problems with pre-rendering engines. I've had problems with failing different elements of, of these sites. And it's always been really, really handy to go, I can just head over to the cache and just see the real world. Now we can do that in search console and we can see that, but I have seen differences where it does just fine in search console where I like test the live page and I see that code in there. But then when Googlebot actually gets through and provides me a cache, it's still broken. So it's just nice to have that sort of like backup system in there to go. If I see this break, then I know something's wrong. I can explain why my rankings are down. I know where to look um, for a problem. So I'm glad to know it's there. I did like that John said, just because it's legacy doesn't mean it's going away. Mm-hmm. But, and maybe the, the system is just so simple. They're like, we don't need to maintain it. It does no, what it what does. And thinking. it always is going to do that, right? It's like yeah. Xenu. I don't think that software has been updated <laughs> forever. But it doesn't, it doesn't really need to. I can it still doesn't... use it. It follows yep. links. <laughs> That's what it does. So. No, uh, I still I still use Xenu, eh? I love Xenu. Yep, so do I. I've used it forever. <laughs> Um, and yeah, the, 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 the cache feature isn't going anywhere. It's, uh, it's really, it's just a simple script. So there's nothing to update. It does the same thing every time, but there is a little bit of weirdness in it when it comes to, um, pretty sure when it comes to e-commerce sites, there is a bug that's, um, cause I just experienced this. It's making it disappear. Um, you can see it really quickly and then it flashes out again. Um, Ryan Jones from Sapient answered how to uh, how to fix that. Put an equals or slash equals one at the end of your search string, and your uh, Google Cache screen 
if it's vanishing on you mm. at the end of the uh, uh, where it says web cache colon HTTPS your website and then the long string slash equals one and it won't disappear anymore. You know, I had a chat with him on a completely unrelated issue like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I did not know he got his start in web dev. That's why he sounds well, and he is so smart. Ryan, <laughs> That's how Ryan, he knows all this stuff. He's a super Ryan smart guy. Ryan is a brilliant technical SEO. Yeah, Ryan yeah, absolutely. is absolutely, and and the proprietor of WTF SEO, which uh, <laughs> I dare say needs an update. Yes, I dare say. <laughs> Fair um, okay, where do you, where, where do you want to go next? We got so uh, much so much here. Um, I guess we got to talk about Wix because we promised we would earlier. Oh, God. Uh, this yeah, again? I, yeah, yeah. I, okay. I, I know. I know. But we, we, we sort of need to. Uh, so for those who've been following since last week's episode, <laughs> we're, we're now at a new episode where they've sort of gone back and forth. WordPress has responded to Wix coming out with a bunch of ads sort of poking the bear. Um, <laughs> then then WordPress. Press responded, then Wix has responded. It's getting kind of ugly. Um, yeah. WordPress basically came in, accused them of like stealing code and, and all sorts of things. Um, then Wix has responded, basically going, No, we didn't. And here's our Dude, email. You're open chain. Source. And like, <laughs> just like, well, yeah, and, and a valid point. Like, it's, it's, it's open source. Like, we're not stealing anything that's open source. Um, you and know, they did so, claim they did claim to leave their code back in the repository, which is the agreement. Yeah. Well, and one of the things I found funny was one of the WordPress attacks was they try and lock you in. You can't have a you know yeah, you can't you, export you can't get, out your, you get your content exported out of there. Um, but then one of the responses was a link right through to WordPress, which is the import from Wix plugin. <laughs> like it's right there to do an import from Wix into WordPress. So I'm like, it, it's it's getting ugly, but you brought up a really, really good point. I think if I was Wix, I, I didn't see this last week, but right yep. now this was, this worked out really well for them. So last week we reported on how Wix was sending these really high-end Bose headphones to uh, to certain influencers and webmasters in the community, mm-hmm. and along with the headphones was a QR code. You scan this QR code, and you get taken to this uh, series of commercials trashing on WordPress. Wix mm-hmm. just trashing out on WordPress. Um, from the pretending to be WordPress, but how crappy WordPress is. This really pissed off Matt Mellenwig, the guy who made WordPress. Matt talks about the nobility of open source and um, how he was, you know, hard done by by Wix and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Vashi uh, Abrahami, uh, the CEO of Wix, fires back with, uh, we didn't do that. Yo, hey, it's open source. We gave you the code back. And, and, and besides which, as Dave said, here's how you do what you say you can't do. Um, which was actually a very reasonable response. The ball is now in um, WordPress's court. And what happened was Wix, as Dave phrased it, poked the bear. The bear woke up out of hibernation. The first thing it did was growl and swipe. And then Wix stood back and said, yo, bro, what are you swiping at? And now we're all looking at it, talking about it and reporting it in this way so wix achieved the narrative it was looking for yeah yeah no it it went uh it went very very well for them (laughs) 
uh, yeah, it's it's almost frustrating because because you know you were manipulated. <laughs> Yeah, but it was done so well. You just gotta, you just gotta recognize how well oh, they did it. Let's be honest, we're all marketers, right? Us and 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 everybody on the show. It's it's what we all can appreciate. The like, okay, I see what you did there. That that was good. I'm doing exactly what you tried to get me to do. You made the button red, and I clicked it. Right, like, well done. Okay, proof is always in the pudding. Um, you Wix, you have opened a Pandora's box. Honest to goodness, you have. You've gotten people interested. Yep. The ball, you think the ball's in uh, WordPress's court, and it is kind of, because WordPress has a lot of problems it needs to deal with constantly. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, this is the web. There's a lot of problems that are going to happen that, that we didn't even think of two weeks ago. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're in a constant fight against hackers. Uh, we're in a constant fight against each other and in, in, in a competitive environment to try to try to be better and outdo each other. It's a friendly fight, but it's for real. Yeah. Um, now, Wix, you've attracted people's attention. You've got to be better than the next guy or you can't claim to be. And you're going to get reviewed. You're going to well, your people are going to start writing about how you do this and that with Wix gonna happen indeed and i mean you can you can pretty quickly and easily do a b tests right and and things like that to 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 sort of figure out okay which one is faster which one has has cleaner code um all that sort of stuff and you're right all systems break all systems have problems that's Mm -hmm. just the 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 long and short of it uh it's funny i was listening to search off the record which is a a podcast with um gary eyes john mueller and martin split um and it was funny. I was looking for a for a past quote from for to pass on to a client from one of them. And Martin said probably one of my favorite things. I was like, oh, this is just my favorite thing that I have ever heard that sort of summarizes the entire web as as a whole. But he's talking about our community. The biggest thing I've learned in the last three years at Google is that developers and SEOs are both extremely creative in building things that don't work. <laughs> right? like, uh, it, it was rightfully in answer to John Mueller was asking him, have we sort of solved this JavaScript rendering indexing thing, right? And that's what he was commenting and, and, and responding to that. It became one of my favorite quotes. I'm like, yeah, we we constantly are trying to like overcomplicate and reverse engineer and, and then we'll make something that doesn't work. But now the ball is in Wix's court. You want to flood a bunch of users in, you're going to find out where the leaks are in your boat really, yep. really fast. Um, and especially and- when we're coming in going, we have this memory of it not being very good. Yeah, and, and let me tell you, if people have a problem with your system, they're going to be happy to tell you. Yeah, especially if you've called out the system they liked. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're at almost at the top of the clock. Real quick one, uh, Ryan Jones didn't mean to do this, but he ended up writing a primer on, H- on XML sitemaps um, in just trying to answer a basic question, do you XML sitemap or not? It's in Search Engine Journal. Um, bottom line, if you got a really good site with good navigation, everything is laid out good, probably not. However, if you've separated your images and you got them sitting on a uh, content delivery network, it's good to have an image search engine or an image site map mm-hmm. because they got to find them somehow. Mm-hmm. That was the TLDR version, but Ryan stretched that into three and a half pages in Word. <laughs> <laughs> And a great answer, by the way. It, it really is. It's a yeah. it's a great primer on sitemaps. Um, and we we've we've quoted him once. You know, oh my goodness, uh, Barry Schwartz, just for the hell of it. 
<laughs> Almost <laughs> didn't mention his name today. I know. We got Ryan in twice. And no, no mention of Barry at all. <laughs> okay. On that, and I'm so glad we got it in. It's top of the hour. So we got to uh, we got to take our leave here on Webcology. So on behalf of Dave Davies from BSOC Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. And I want to say thank you to a segment of the search marketing uh, world. Um, you know what I mean? Thank you all so much. Uh, and friends, thank you for listening to Webcology on WMR.FM. We are going to be back next week. Stick around WMR. There's great content coming up after these messages. Stay safe. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Social distance. If you can, stay at home. And let's get past COVID. Stay safe. Rank well. And we'll talk to you next week. The opinions expressed in this WMR.FM program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily...